mate. Hello. There we are. Fantastic. Hey, your backdrop looks similar to my backdrop. <laughs> I, I, by the way, I do like your hairdo. Very nice. We go to the same barber. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Welcome to our show. Um, this is uh, Dr. Stephen Ross. Um, we corresponded a little uh, bit uh, beforehand, and um, I can immediately see that this was one man we needed <laughs> to set the story straight because we hear these things, and um, some of these, some of the tales are wild. So um, now we're going to find out the real truth, nothing but. So welcome to our show. It's it's really incredible to have you with us. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Now, um, um, Dr. Stephen Ross, he's the co-founder and CEO of the World Research Foundation. And for almost 40 years, he has researched and lectured around the world. He's delivered over 200 lectures and made presentations to various worldwide government agencies, hospital networks, and has been interviewed on more than 150 radio programs. Well, it's 151 now. And 15 regional and national television programs. He's an expert, well, he's been an expert witness for the city of Los Angeles, and he's consulted for the insurance industry. And he's written a book as well. Um, you're a very talented man, Stephen. You've written a book which details a better form of healthcare. Now, that's my kind of book. And the book is called And Nothing Happened, But You Can Make It Happen. We were discussing this earlier um, while we were waiting for you, Stephen, where um, I was explaining to people that people can take control of their lives just by learning more. And you can get more information about the book from andnothinghappened.com. So uh, welcome to Sama. <laughs> There's so many things that I'd love to, um, I, I want to talk about. I don't really know where to start. Fantastic. Okay, well, let's let's talk about, um, I mean, the Sama is... Um, title the universal truth and i guess yeah. most of the people watching will be thinking well that's a bit of a pun but what does it really mean what what is the universal truth can you explain to us the universal microscope well i'm going to begin let, let's begin with a little story to to set things up for individuals because um back in the 1980s i had no idea what the universal microscope was. I didn't know anything about Royal Rife. I was uh, doing research on color therapy, the use of the visible light spectrum in healing. And I was trying to collect everything I could. And one night I had a dream. And in that dream, I was told to go to a local bookstore in my geographical area to go into the used book section and to go to a particular bookcase and reach behind the books and there would be a book there. Now, this was an actual dream. I was very excited. The next day I run down to the Bodhi Tree bookstore. I reach behind the books and there is this book sitting and this book is called New Light on therapeutic energies. And I go to the index, and sure enough, here was a chapter on Dinshaw Gadiali and the use of color. 
And I thought, wow, this is incredible. But three chapters earlier, invisible ultraviolet life frequencies made visible Royal Raymond Bright. I read that and I thought to myself, this is unbelievable. There was only six pages, John. And I thought, oh my gosh, this, it's a super microscope day. We're killing viruses. So I had a very good friend who was president of a hospital in my area, Dr. Harry Lusk. And I said that Harry at that time was 83 years old. I said, and this, by the way, was again, 1983. I said, Harry, have you ever heard of the universal rife microscope? And Harry goes, well, when I was a young man, well, then I already knew that's a long time ago because he's 83. He goes, there was word about a super microscope. And I said, well, do you know anything else about it? And he said, well, 10 years ago, there was this man, I think his name was John Crane, talking about the super microscope. And I said, oh my gosh, that's great, Harry. Uh, can you, uh, do, do you have a contact for this John Crane? Harry said, um, Steve, I tried to call the number over the years. The man never answered. Um, and I don't know where the number is. Well, the next morning I get a call from Harry. Steve, I said, Harry, what, what's up? I, I stepped out of bed and there was a paper and it had John Crane's telephone number. Now, I like to joke and I said, Harry, maybe it was there all the time. <laughs> he says, Steve, I've moved twice in the last 10 years. The number is here. So with this little mysterious background for you, John, that is how I heard about the microscope. I have the number of John Crane. I can certainly continue with my saga here, or if you would like me to ask if you have any question for me, I, I can continue with what that led to. If I asked any questions and changed the subject in any way, I'll have like a thousand people or more hating me. So please, <laughs> please continue. It's, it's riveting. So I dialed the number and I immediately had John Crane, who jumping ahead was the caretaker of the microscope after Royal Wright passed. So John answers, here's what he says to me. Are you with the AMA, FDA, CIA, FBI? I go, no. In fact, I was very naive with what, what was going on with the suppression of, of medical technologies. I said, no, I, I'm not. I have a foundation. I'm very interested in the microscope. And he says to me, um, you can visit me three days from now. Come to San Diego from L.A., and we can talk. Well, I was very excited. Now, I had promised Dr. Harry Lust, if I reached John, he would also get to go with me. Well, three days pass. I call up Dr. Lust, and believe it or not, at 80 some years old, he goes, Steve, I'm delivering a baby today. 
I, I said, Harry, uh, 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 Dr. Lester. White. <laughs> so I had to call John. He made the appointment two days later. Yeah. And here's the story. Two days later, Dr. Harry Lusk is delivering another baby. And I said, you know, Harry, sorry, I am going. I wish I could take you, but I've got to go. So I drive down to San Diego. I come to this house. It was all shuttered and, and closed up. And I thought, now this is spooky. But I go to the front door. I knock on the door and it just creaks open a little. Are you with the FBI, FDA, AMA? I go, no. And, and it, John Crane says, you are required by law to tell me up front if you are with any governmental agency. Now, I am a jokester and I like to fool around. Now, my foundation is called World Research Foundation, and we always refer to it as WRF. But I was afraid to make a joke with him saying, actually, I am with the three-letter organization, yeah. but he lets me in. I go into his home. It was dark. There were newspapers. There were books. There was dust all over. And he says to me, have a seat. And I sit in the sofa and just freaking plumes of dust were uh, coming all over the place. Yeah. And in front of me was a glass. And, and John says to me, well, would you like some water? That glass had microbes and bacteria. It was old. I said, no. Well, we talked for a while. He told me uh, a, a little bit about the background in Rife. And then he says to me, you would like to see it now, wouldn't you? I said, yes, I would. And we walked into another room. And there it was. There was the universal microscope in a glass case. Um, it probably, again, weighed over 100 pounds. And even though I didn't know a lot about it at the time, John, you know by energy that, that something special is there. And here, here was the microscope. And I, I looked at it from every angle. Um, I, I could just feel the, the vibration and energy. So after that, John invited me back three or four times to, to visit him. And each time he would tell me stories, show me documents and papers. And then one day he says, um, you know, I wish I had more room in my garage. <laughs> no. what, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah. Well, we go into his garage, and there are all of the lathes and tables that Wright used to build the universal. There were 10,000 um, microscopic slides. It, it was everything. The, the Wright Laboratories, everything was in this garage. Gosh. And then he says to me, would you like, would you like these things? I thought, wow, um, would that include the Rife microscope? And he hesitated one second, and he, he looks at me and he goes, 
we can work that in if you want to take it. Now, I sent to you so people know that I'm not just telling a story. The agreement I had with John Crane to take possession of that universal microscope, and I had it for, for over two years. And I will say that of all the people that have written and spoken and are alive right now, I would venture to say none of these people have ever, ever seen or touched that microscope that they talk about. Now, in addition, I was given 500 personal letters of all of the doctors. I don't know if you can see the picture, the famous picture of 1931. Behind you, yes. Celebrating the end of disease and illness. So uh, what I was given was the universal 500 personal letters of all of Rife's associates from the 20s, 30s, 40s, and the logbook of their frequencies. Just um, stressing to everyone who's watching now, this is the logbook of the frequencies written by Royal Rife. That Correct. Is, that is an original. Of which... They would be something like this. There, this particular one is bubonic plague. And there were 60 pages dealing with different diseases and illnesses. And of course, their, their work in cancer. So um, there is many nuances to, to the story. I had it. My agreement was to... Uh, keep it for two years. And according to my agreement, John said, if I could restore it to 100% functionality, I would be entitled to 50% of the profits. And little did I know, because I was very naive then, John, that there was no way I could restore it to full functionality because the inner crystals were missing, um, the attachments were very difficult, and um, it, it just wasn't going to happen. But I became more and more familiar after reading the 500 letters. Now, my library behind me has 20,000 volumes dating to 1492. That's our oldest book. I have hundreds of techniques in here, just wonderful. But when I read those 500 letters of those doctors, I cried. I cried because these were not letters written for a movie of the week. They were heartfelt letters from the greatest researchers in the United States, talking about what they had discovered their excitement, their test, their test results. But then came the letters of, they were talking about pressure coming from different agencies, which, which we will get into. And here's the difference between the majority of people with, with the million rife sites. 
they do not know what they're talking about. So everything I'm sharing, and um, I took this extra time at the beginning, I, I don't want to just talk endlessly, to try to set the groundwork that what I am sharing is right from the materials. It's not hypothesis. It is their original letters. It is their log books. It is all kinds of other things that I have that allow me to at least know the story from the time. That's absolutely incredible. Well, of course, for the um, a few people have asked some questions because it's um, it's this riveting stuff. Um, a great concern that um, that some of the uh, participants and viewers have uh, expressed is the preservation of your records. Uh, they're asking whether your records have been scanned. So that yes. and then saved on you know in multiple locations, so they can't Correct. be taken. They 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 have they are. Um, I can tell you so many <laughs> stories about the spiritual protection that that I have had. Uh, I have a background. My PhD is in finance. I have a math science background. But I also have a very strong esoteric spiritual background. Uh, since I was 24 years old, and I met a Native American who told me all my future guidance would come in dreams, I've been guided by dreams and spiritual contact. I'm 73 now, basically for the last 50 years. I'm sharing this because um, the guidance I received to locate the material. And by the way, the Rife microscope is one of many, many items that we caretake. There was another super microscope called a nemoscope. The nemoscope was 50 times more powerful than Rife's, and it also allowed viewing uh, of microbes and bacteria in a live form but that microscope disappeared and was stolen in the 1950s. But these are the type of things uh, that we have. Uh, the letters, the other materials, because I am seeing some of the people's comments as it comes up. Um, it is preserved and I am currently writing a book about what we are sharing today. Um, I also included in my book a big chapter on Rife in my book, And Nothing Happened. I do want to preserve. Now, very about eight years ago, somebody complained at a, at a website that they had contacted me, and I wasn't forthcoming with all of the uh, lab notes. And the person never asked me exactly why. I have freely given out many materials. However, so many people have come up with their devices and machines that had nothing to do physically with Rife. They have had theories. And if they had these type of things to lend credibility to their devices, yeah. I as a caretaker did not feel that that would be right. Because um, 
One day I received a call from a, a woman in Canada at my office. She said, Dr. Ross, your machine broke down and I don't know what to do. And I was going, my Rife machine broke down. I, I don't sell Rife equipment. People were selling Rife equipment in the 90s using my radio interviews as part of their sales promotion. Yeah, yeah. And then people were contacting me thinking, um, I have given away more things than I have ever charged for. I consider myself a caretaker. And my long-winded answer to their question is, multiple locations, I wait for the right people who come, and then I will give them the world because they are going to do something with the materials. Great, great. Wise as well. <laughs> now, something terrible happened a few years ago. Um, you were assassinated, I believe. <laughs> yes, well, it was, it was very, very interesting <laughs> because uh, I received a call in 1980. It was 1987. And uh, at the time, I had four staff people, but they were all on the telephone. I happened to take a telephone call, and a woman the woman says to me, I heard what happened to your founder, Stephen Ross. And I thought, uh, what did you hear happen to him? I was told that he was shot dead on his front steps and the Rife microscope was stolen by the government and it disappeared. I said to her, where did you hear this story? And she said, well, last week I was at this rec room at a condominium and there were 40 people and the curtains were all drawn and they showed a movie about Nikola Tesla by Orson Welles. And by the way, that was a great uh, movie that was done in the 80s. And the woman goes on to say, well, after we discussed Tesla, a man stood up and said, a great super microscope existed and was stolen because the founder who had it was shot dead on his front steps. So the woman says to me, I'm, I'm sure your organization is very sad, but did you know him well? And I'm talking, I go, actually, I saw him in the mirror this morning. She goes, oh, the mirror? Are you Steve Ross? I said, yes. I am Steve Ross. Yeah. And my death has been greatly exaggerated. Right. I am still here. So this is part of this incredible. Um, I, I it, it was called telephone when I was in my elementary school. The teacher would line up 20 students and she would whisper in one's ear, it is a beautiful day today. And each of the little students would whisper in the ear. And by the time it came out at the other end, it was complete gibberish. That is my opinion of most of the information dealing with Rife and the universal microscope and some of the people associated with microscope, whether it was John Crane, 
And I've got more stories to tell you. Barry Lyons, who wrote a book called The Cancer Cure That Worked, where he wrote an incredible book, but it was because of his impatience that the Rife microscope has never seen the light of day. Could you explain so, that? You just, yeah. um, why? How, how, how is this, in your opinion, that book, um, you know, how did it hinder? Or how did this happen? Yeah. Well, I, I had a two-year agreement to get the uh, microscope operational. Mm. Right before the end of that, apparently Barry Lyons had traced the microscope to John Crane. And he was in conversations with John. And John told him that I had the microscope. So Barry Lyons contacted me and said, uh, um, Steve, John Crane gave me your name. How are you doing? And what are your plans? And I said, well, I have set up a nonprofit organization. We are, we are building up its credibility. And by the way, by that time, the foundation started exactly when I got the microscope. The advisors that I set up Bjorn Nordenstrom was chairman of the Nobel Assembly in Sweden. Jim Logan was the head physician for NASA's first eight space programs. Uh, Hermann Scholl was the German representative to NATO in charge of 19 NATO hospitals. These were the people I had surrounding our, our organization. And my idea was to build this around and when we came out with the microscope, it would be different than when John Crane did. John Crane was locked up for four years in jail. Mm -hmm. he, he had lawsuits against the president, all the congressmen. And um, be nice, he was a, a little way out even when I was with him. So I was trying to build this up. So Barry Lyons contacts me. I said, Barry, we have this. And... I, I have been told that an organization is going to come, they are going to support us, and this will bring out the microscope. Well, Barry Lyons apparently was not patient, and so right after my contract or this agreement was over, out of nowhere at my office has showed up two attorneys and John Crane between them being propped up. No appointment. I look at John, why are you here? And the lawyer said to me, we're here. You did not fulfill your obligation. We want the microscope right now. Well, I had to do some quick thinking. And I said, the microscope is currently in a bank vault. I cannot get to it today. I will have it for you tomorrow. And what we did that night was, and I'm going to put these all in the books, we took pictures of all aspects, uh, all the different parts of the microscope to make sure that, that at least I would have that record. Well, the next day, they came back. John Crane was not with them. The two lawyers took the microscope and I, I had gotten um, Rife's library. 
they took the library, the books, and just slid them across the, the bed of the truck. They didn't really care about that. They only cared about the microscope. And they took it away. Now, people I know said to me, why didn't you say you lost it? Why didn't you run away with it? I said, first of all, I couldn't lose a 5,000-part microscope to weigh 200 pounds. And I made an agreement. And I didn't fulfill that agreement. Well, two months after that, I received a letter from Barry Lyons. And that letter basically said, Steve, I know you are upset with what transpired, but I would hope that you would work with us and use your contacts and scientists you have in Germany so the microscope can be put together. Well, I had a very bad taste in my mouth, John. I did not like the way that was handled. Mm. And so I didn't. Two months later, I get a telephone call from a man. The man goes, I heard your radio program on KBC Radio. Now, I had done a three-hour show on KABC Radio, a Los Angeles radio station, 50,000 watts broadcast all over the United States. So the man says, I heard your show. Can you tell me everything that you know about the microscope? <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, hey. I, we had received a lot of calls. I said, I am sorry. I, I do not have the time to give you the whole story. Two weeks later, a woman calls and says, my brother called you and he's boned up on the microscope. Would you please talk to him? I said, okay, so it's the same man again. And who is he? He is vice president of Mutual Benefit Life Insurance, the 18th largest insurance company in the United States. Heard about the microscope. He, I'm going to jump a little ahead. He came out to my office as he was in Kansas City, Missouri. He was disappointed that he didn't find, we didn't have the microscope, but I had thousands of materials on people with cancer cures, arthritis cures, diabetes cures, alternative medicine. He gets six 90 minute cassette tapes, taped everything that we had regarding the greatest specialists in the world. He ends up going back to the main headquarters in New Jersey, talking with the president of Mutual Benefit Life. And this is a longer story, but the president agreed and they set up Mutual Benefit Life Research Division, gave us a million dollars, and we set up offices in China, Germany, France, and England. But guess what? We didn't have the Rife microscope because Barry Lyons came out with his book. And I believe, again, his ego that he had to have it right then. He had to get possession of it. I asked Bob Maver because we spent several years in our program. What? What would you have done if, if we still had that microscope? And of course, we would have had the greatest scientists in the world. 
we would have still been protecting it. But Mutual Benefit Life had already demonstrated. Not only did they demonstrate, John, they found the cures that we had used by some of their insureds who were denied reimbursements. And they reimbursed people for Dr. Brzezinski's anti-neoplastin, um, other doctors' work. I mean, we, we had a great program going. So um, did Barry Lyon's book wake up a lot of people? Absolutely. But did it cause, because he did what he did and could not wait, two months later, we have unlimited funding and it wouldn't have been taken away from us because I already had some of the great researchers in Europe and Asia and the United States. We just didn't have the resources. We were a new nonprofit. So that is the Barry Lyons story. Isn't it incredible how an insurance company was so forward thinking and... Um... Wow, Here, here's to deal with them. Their whole thing is about cost containment. And what that means is if one of their insurance has cancer, they have to have enough money in the bank that the interest will pay for the care of that individual. Right. So imagine if they free up all of these insurance all the extra money that they have. So I, we were lucky. I caught a, a wonderful man who at first was not representing mutual benefit life. He was a vice president and head actuary. He, he had the actuarial tables. He understood what this could mean, especially when I told him about, oh my gosh, uh, the Gerson therapies, um, all of these different therapies for 300 diseases and illnesses. He went back and he convinced the president and I met with Hank Gates, president of Mutual Benefit Life. And we started that research division. I took them all through Europe and Asia. I brought them to the great researchers. And here's the kicker on this. There was an AIDS therapy in Belgium that was working and Mutual Benefit Life paid for the patient and their partner to fly to Belgium and get the therapies and Mutual Benefit Life paid for the whole thing. Because it was economical for them and as a um, side effect, it was, it was great for the person. Now, Bob Maver yes. ended up writing articles uh, to the insurance industry um, about different techniques that we showed them, a diapulse machine that accelerates wound healing twice normal speed. They had never heard of that. Now, the diapulse machine is interesting. It, it's going to be, it, I know this is about Rife, but I think for people's interest, they should know, I was watching Wide World of Sports, ABC's Wide World of Sports, and seeing Lassie Viren, who was from Finland, running the 10,000 meters. And John McKay, the host says, this is amazing. He won the 5,000 meters, but he had hurt his knee, but he was, 
He used a machine called the Diapulse machine, and he's winning the 10,000 meters. And then they showed the Diapulse. I look up the Diapulse. The Diapulse machine was banned by the FDA as a quack device, and yet it's shown in the Olympics. <laughs> and for 18 years, Diapulse fought the FDA, and then it went to court. The mathematics was done by Albert Einstein. And the, and the judge in the, in the court says to the FDA, did you test this machine out? Yes. And it accelerated healing twice normal speed. Well, why did you ban it? Well, because we knew that that was really impossible because that can't be possible. Therefore, it's mislabeled and we banned it. So why did Mutual Life do this? We had 50 of these type of things. And I've been very blessed to know many of the scientists and researchers and head of diapoles, so I could give them just tons of information. Anyway, that was a digression off of our, our Rife topic. But yes, that the, the Rife attracted Mutual Benefit Life which in the long run has benefited my organization and allowed us to pay salaries and, and set up offices. But that Rife microscope could have seen the light of day, but a part of me believes it obviously was not supposed to. I mean, you're talking two months. We lose it two months before a, a group comes in and gives us a tremendous amount of, of money. Your um, diversion wasn't a diversion. It's all part of the bigger picture. So it is all part, yeah. Um, Sharon has asked a question that all of us have in our minds. <laughs> I bet it has to do with where the microscope is. Something to do with where the microscope is, yes. Is that your question? Yes, yes. So in order to answer that, I must tell you an additional little story. Do you think your people will stand it or, oh, or blatantly say something? No, no, no. We want, the, we want the long story because the details are important. Okay. So uh, I had left it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just read somebody. Yes. Story. Story. Yeah, this is the thing. If I, if I said to you, no, just give it straight, everyone's going to hate me and there's going to be no more Samas. And, and, and besides, I want to know the full story as well. Okay. So let's, we'll, we'll digress back to uh, Barry Lyons and the two lawyers uh, took the microscope, Barry Lyons later admitted. So about... Five years later, a woman walks into my office and she, she, she called me, can I please have an appointment with you, Dr. Ross, please? I said, okay, is this health related? No, I can't talk to you on the phone. Wow. Okay. I meet with the woman and she looks me straight in the eye and she goes, do you know anything about microscopes? I thought, is this lady pulling my leg? Is, what, is she joking with me? I go, um, well, yes, but I didn't mention anything more. I said, why are you asking? She said, I am representing an associate, and that associate has 
a very powerful microscope developed from, <laughs> developed in the 1930s. Well, didn't take much for me to know, okay, and why have you come to me? Well, people have told me that your organization has a tremendous holding of scientific devices and information. And they said, if anybody would know, you would know. And I said, well, tell me a little bit more. How, how did that microscope come to your friend? Well, my associate told me he received the microscope and he was at that time associated with two other groups and there was infighting and all of them took different pieces of the microscope. Oh. And it took him, it took him several years and lawsuits to get all the pieces back from all of these warring parties. And he has basically the microscope, but he doesn't, he doesn't know what to do with it, how to really fix it. And he's concerned about who he might bring in. And I said, what is his name? And the woman looks at me and was stuttering and didn't want to answer. And I brought her out of her pain by saying, it's Barry Lyons. She just looks at me like, yes. I said, I'll tell you what name of a, it, oh, I will give you the name of an individual who has an expertise but I will have nothing to do with any kind of arrangements, agreements, uh, whatever happens between Barry Lyons and this individual. And uh, I later heard, because this individual is a very close friend of mine, that he did in fact work with uh, Barry Lyons. They had an agreement. Barry Lyons has pa passed away several years ago, and my associate has the microscope. It is safe. It is protected. It exists. The, FB the FDA doesn't have it. The government doesn't have it in a warehouse someplace. It is still around. Now, the next question I would ask if I was one of your guests is, why? isn't it out and about what is this person doing with it? The intrigue that is involved with people associated with that Rife microscope is hellish. We can go back to Milbane Johnson, who was the big supporter of Royal Rife, and his letters are phenomenal, checks into a hospital for a routine physical exam and he never leaves the hospital. Arthur Kendall of Northwestern University, who published research papers with Rife, went off to Mexico. Why? These people were threatened. These people had pressure put on them. Now, as we go down the line with different people, uh, a lot of people were threatened. Now, there is an incredible 
article in the Smithsonian Institute of 1944 called The New Microscopes. It's a classic where it discusses the Rife microscope. I have the original letters of Dr. Seidel written to Royal Rife asking for information about the microscope and then a later letter saying, wow, we really got quite a response from uh, this article. And then later, John Crane told me that Seidel had, he and his assistant were threatened because of the article. And he mentioned that they were actually shot at. Does John Tiny know? John Tiny does not have the scope. And so um, my friend heard the stories. And to be quite frank, he is extremely gun shy because the misnomers, the misinformation about the microscope, the continued barrage of misinformation from Wikipedia and other sources, we could blow them out of the water bringing out the microscope and all the papers I have. In fact, I contacted Wikipedia with all of their misinformation and said, look, I not only have had the microscope, I have all this data. They said, uh, we don't allow people to change the information. I said, your information is totally bogus here and you're not letting, so anything with electromagnetic is put down by the Wikipedia. So the microscope, nobody here would possibly know who, who the fellow is or what his name is. I will only tell you that um, in my book, I've written a chapter called The Microscope Returns because this is an extremely close person. The microscope is safe. I, I wish the climate was different. I wish my friend was not so panicky that he would not allow us to attempt to get it out. But John, it is what it is. And I know exactly where it is. Okay, well, your, your spiritual guidance has helped you to date. So intuition and, and, and things are, are really the, um, what, what we have to yeah. go on. Now, do we still have a little bit of time? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Good, it stops when you stop talking. <laughs> I would like to share a couple of other things that I have here. And that is, in 1995, um, I was contacted by a, a doctor who was in charge of the gynecological endoscopist society. Those are the microsurgeons with the cameras. And the man says to me, um, I have been following you these last couple of years in Los Angeles. Uh, you were an expert witness for the city of Los Angeles against the state of California uh, regarding malathion spraying and, and public health. And I have heard some of your other lectures. Would you be willing to give a talk to our 24th annual convention in Tampa, Florida? And I said, um, what would you like me to speak on? He said, um, we would like you to speak at our special breakfast. We're going to have about 1,500 uh, attendees. 
and give them something alternative. Give them, I'd like to broaden their awareness. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to broaden their awareness. I'm going to make a presentation on Royal Rife and the Rife microscope. And I did a one hour uh, presentation with slides, with slides of, of the actual letters from Rosenau of the Mayo Clinic, Kendall of Northwestern, all of the prestigious researchers from these attendees, schools and clinics. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning of the lecture, before I started, I said, how many doctors have heard of Royal Rife and the Universal Microscope? Not one hand went up. This, this, the, this old, the oldest man was 90 years old, mm -hmm. the youngest 30, not one hand went up. That's really bad. Maybe that now, hand, that wound. I mean, these are the who's who of the doctors, not one hand. So um, when I finished my presentation, there was not a sound. There, it was the only time I ever gave a presentation. No applause, no sound. I, on the slides, I was going back and forth. See, the FDA says this, but the doctor said this. The doctor said that. Mm. Um, I started walking up the stage, and the doctor who invited me says, uh, Steve, nobody got out of their chair. Nobody got out of their chair to, to get coffee, water, go to the bathroom, or, or take the sweets. I, I think they, they're in shock. So we go back to the microphone, and he says, uh, uh, Dr. Ross has finished his, his presentation. They applauded, and then they came up, a few came up to me. Uh, oh, my God, E.C. Rose now is one of the greatest researchers at our institution. And other people, everybody came up. Was it patented? Can it come out? Now, I'm sharing this story because um, oh, this is a great question. Um, I gave a presentation three years later on Rife to the American Dowsing Association in Flagstaff. 300 people. How many of you have heard of the Rife microscope? 295. Yeah. I think the other five were waiters and uh, <laughs> so, yeah. everybody in that Dowsing Association, which, which we know, John, uh, every one of them knew about Royal Rife. By the way, um, I certainly don't want to usurp you, but I saw a question about Truman and Rowley, uh, Eric Rowley, yes. Eric Truman. Yes. They are very, they are extremely close friends of mine. They are extremely close friends. I know all about the, the Truman microscope also, and I think very highly of them. Um, I think very highly of them. But anyway, to, to return, yes. Uh, now, yes, the comment was made by um, Jeffrey how universities and um, other teaching uh, associations they don't give the full historical facts which would which 
you know, which were known 100 years ago. I was, did the quick maths uh, just before the seminar, and I realized it was 100 years ago when Royal Rife first started his journey, his frequency journey. 100 years ago, 120, sorry. Yeah, hundred, hundred, because it's two, hundred years. Yeah. yeah, isn't that isn't that incredible? I mean, he actually he actually started working at you know the Universal was in 1933. I want to show you a really great picture so that the people can get. I hope you can see that. Yes, yes, it's um, This was right before, so that was basically. Uh, I mean, it's an incredible device. Th these were the pictures I took um, the night before. Um, I had to get the microscope back. Yes. Here are the counter-rotating prisms that allowed for the heterodyning of light. So I am going. To, I am going to include all of these pictures in the little book I'm writing and jam as many letters and information as I can. Um, <laughs> as I can. I don't mean to be chuckling. I I, I can't believe I'm seeing some of the questions here. The people, um, you've got, this is called engagement. We've got people that are really want to know more. And this is good to see, isn't it, Stephen? You know, where people want to know the facts and you're, you're the gentleman to talk about it. I was just thinking too, you know, the microscope, even though it was so old when you had it, it still looks amazingly yeah. shiny, pristine, beautiful. Well, here, here's the deal, because uh, I had it so long ago, you're, you're, people are going to laugh. I am the one with hair standing up, not viewing through the microscope, <laughs> uh, because I had, <laughs> I had it in 1984. Yes. Um, when we got it, it was filthy, it was dirty, and oh. the same person who took the photographs um, actually spent time cleaning it up and, and making it nice and shiny. Okay. Um, Crane just had it. He had it in a glass case without a top on it. Oh. And, and I was not kidding about the condition of his home and the glass of water. Yes, I mean, I it, was, it was filthy and uh, we, we tried to get it in a good condition. I will say this. Uh, my friend who currently has it has been able to get it to 12,000 magnification, but not to 60,000 because the internal uh, guts of it um, were missing the, the, the prisms in there, which were forcing the light beam uh, back into, and I hate to be doing this while we're on here, but I, I will find the picture which, which goes straight down the barrel. Uh, that was missing. That was absolutely not in there. And that was part of the unique properties. Every time a light beam would look to separate, the prisms would bring it. And this is what allowed him to achieve this incredible magnification. Um, uh, and you're saying that your friend is fabricating prisms himself? No, he is actually building uh, micros microscopes that will incorporate some of Rife's principles, but we can't call it, he's not going to call it a Rife uh, microscope, mm -hmm. or he's going to end up with the same exact problems. Uh, the Rife name, and, and you and I, when you wrote to me, um, 
Begging. <laughs> I'm looking at that. The answer to the question is the Rife microscope in London workable? It is not. I will tell you Rife built five microscopes. Several of them are gone, but I am aware of an individual in one of the southern states who has Rife's number two. He has Rife's number, number two microscope. Um, that is not functioning, but they're in the process of getting that to work. But the other ones, um, the other ones are in pieces or not available. Over the years, I've met so many people. Uh, when I had the right microscope in my offices in World Research Foundation before it was taken, I had people come and look me in the eye and say, I have the Rife microscope. I said, really? You have the universal Rife? Yes, I do. And I said, how did you get it? Um, I was given it and I have it. Why have you come to me? Um, I was told that you have all kinds of other information and I want to complete the package that I have. I would... I would say to them, come with me. We would walk in. I would point to it and say, is this the one that you say you have? And then they would just slither out of my office. People making up stories, yeah. talking yeah. about, even, even now, one, uh, one month ago, I was at a, my chiropractor and they got into a conversation because somebody saw one of my Rife presentations mm -hmm. and said, hey, my friend said that they worked on the Rife microscope. I said, no, they didn't. I know every place, basically, that microscope has been. And they did not work on the microscope in the late 90s because I, I know where it is. It is part of this telephone mentality, everybody sharing and going back and forth. Mm. But more than that, now, I know you have quite a few questions. Did you want? Uh, yes, oh, absolutely. I'm not sure how much time you have, but I was just going to make the comment that I, I have all the time in the world to, to be able to share this story. And bless you, John, when you wrote to me, Steve, say it how it is, whatever that is, and don't sugarcoat, don't sugarcoat. Because I am going to get into my opinion about Rife machines and what my feeling is about them. But your response to me and allowing me to share means a lot. And I do not have any time element. Fantastic. It's good to hear you from. Yeah, well, this is, it's, it's, um, it's a great privilege to, talk to a person who is directly involved so we don't get these Chinese whispers and these, these distortions of facts. But, you know, the people that were, you, you, you're putting it down to Chinese whispers. It's, not, it's more than that, though, with these people that were asking you these questions. They were lying. They were just outright lying. Yes, and, and they, they were fabricating, lying, um, and I believe from ego. Yeah. I, I really feel um, it is ego that they have something 
And since nobody really knows where it is, these people feel they can get away with saying, well, I have it, they took it, and, and these incredibly bad, bad stories. But um, this will allow me to segue into um, another story, or, you know, I keep telling stories. Keep, 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 keep them coming, keep them coming. You're going to have a backload of these. So in 19, uh, it was in two, let me just check here. Um, it was 2014 at the Energy Medicine Conference in Boulder, Colorado, that I gave a presentation on the Rife microscope and the nemoscope. Now, somebody asked for the spelling of the nemoscope. It is N-E-M-E-S-C-O-P-E. And the nemoscope in the 1950s did 3.5 million magnification where you could look at live specimens. That's incredible. That's beyond right. incredible. Right, at 60,000, this was 3.5 million. Yeah. That, there's a whole story with that. <clears throat> so after the conference, um, we had somebody come up to us, and the person said, uh, we are doing a movie documentary on the Rife microscope. I said, wow. And by the way, this is the son of a very well-known director in Hollywood, but this was the son. And may we contact you? Sure. So I get home and I receive a, a correspondence and then a telephone call from a woman who said, well, I am writing a treatise and we have a whole script. We're doing the Rife story. And I said, you're doing the Rife story. Do you have... Do you have letters of the doctors? No. Um, have you ever seen the microscope? No. I, I said, then, how are you putting this thing together? Well, we have two researchers who have gathered information off the internet. So may, we, may I send you the treatise of what we have? Because we're about to bring it to investors. Now, my wife and I have a lovely, beautiful wife, and we were talking about this, and here's what she said. I have never seen you as angry or hopping around the house as when you read the first two pages of their 90-page treatise on their movie. It was so ridiculous and lying and non-factual that I, I was hopping like a gnome out of his element. I was, I, I was beside myself and I contact them and I, I speak with the lady on the phone. I said, well, what is this? I said, there's no facts here. Here, here was her thing. Oh, darling, I didn't even know this woman. That's the Hollywood stuff. Oh, oh darling, this is Hollywood. And, and we just make up things. I said, this is very important. You don't have to make up anything about the story of Royal Raymond Rife. 
speed world speedboat record yeah. uh flipped a coin with his friend to see who would end up marrying this woman they didn't know which one had gotten her pregnant they flipped the coin i mean the stories were unbelievable oh oh dearie this is what we do in hollywood to to generate interest i said it's ridiculous she said, well, would you supply information or could you give us a couple of things to give to our investors? I said, no, your story is ludicrous. Yeah. Anyway, that was the, the Hollywood story that, that really never took place. But, but oh, dearie, we just, make up things, we just make up things and not with right. In all of these years, I have given many presentations I will never, and I never spoke at any conference on UFOs, even though I like it and believe it, or any hokey alternative. And, and I'm in totally to alternative medicine, but I have never, ever taken the incredible scientific genius where I could be whitewashed. Oh yeah, the rifle ended up here, or was it the UFO? I have always held this in the highest. These doctors, when you read their personal letters, John and audience, oh, they, they knew what they had. They knew what they had. But the death of everything came when a newspaper person came out and said, cancer cure found by doctor, dread disease germs destroyed. And even in the article, they interviewed Rife, Rife was very conservative. He said, look, we are not claiming we are curing cancer, but we are claiming we are devitalizing causative agents of cancer. But then all the pressure started coming on all these doctors. And one of the letters in particular was very annoying to me. And that was they were taking terminal cancer patients to the Mary Ellen Scripps Ranch in La Jolla, California, using the frequency device. 14 were clinically cured in 30 days. And they receive a letter from the International Cancer Institute the forerunner of the American Cancer Society. Dear Dr. Reif and researchers, we understand that you are working with human cancers. We are asking you to stop or we will no longer give you a grant from our organization. Reif and them right back, what are you talking about? We have done our tests. We have taken human cancer tumors, injected them in rats, proved that we could devitalize cancer. The woman who wrote for the International Cancer Institute came out and said, we want you to only work with animals, do nothing with people. A, I also have an original letter from the um, magazines, Scientific America, the original letter. 
Dr. Reif, why is it that the AMA has not reported information on your super microscope? It's a very good question. Why didn't the AMA report? Every person who developed a new microscope ended up winning a Nobel Prize. Yeah. Not right. No. Well, By I the way, just do I, for your audience, my book, I'm about halfway through, will be called Shattered My Experiences as Caretaker of Rife's Universal Microscope. I, I don't mean to be giving a plug, but of course I did just give a plug, but it will have everything that we've been talking about with documentation in it. Um, and that will eventually be found at my website, uh, lesscomplicated.net or lesscomplicated.com. Um, and that's the protection that this information will never be, uh, never be lost. Great. We'll put links to the bottom of the published video. I'll ask our crew to do that so people know where to get more information where they can start digging because some people might be new right. to this they might just stumble now, now i did notice some of the questions um the rife microscope was never patented per se um we do have some drawings and of course having the microscope itself uh we're we're very aware but it was never patented the nemoscope um also an incredible scientific um, discovery that nemoscope was never patented either. We, we had two microscopes around the same era that would have changed the whole paradigm of medicine and therapeutics. But of course, that's the reason why it didn't come out. Uh, we would have been brought into the world of physics as opposed to pharmaceuticals. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's just incredibly sad, the stories you tell. Things but that I'm a happy-go-lucky guy. I'm sorry. My, my stories are not meant to be morose, but they're, they're the, the experiences I had. Even um, I had mentioned the three-hour show that we did on KBC Radio in November of 1986. It was Bill Jenkins' Open Mind Program, and it was on a 50,000-watt station broadcast every Saturday throughout the United States. He, Bill Jenkins had the largest audience of any radio program in the United States in the 1980s. We were supposed to go on for one hour, and the switchboard, 20 lines lit up, and we did a second hour and a third hour. The next week was a taped show. And then Bill Jenkins never had another show on KBC radio. He was taken off. I talked to him later. He was under pressure because of this show. And he was no longer on KBC radio. So there's been resistance and waves it gets very quiet right right you are very much your own man now i'm picking that you don't have a habit of relying on too many people 
and this has kept you, this has allowed you to sort of um, both be free in what you talk about and what you think about and what you do. Um, do you ever fear for repercussions? I have been very um, upfront. I have given hundreds of presentations. Um, there was only <clears throat> one time that I have been directly threatened, which didn't have anything to do with Rife, but it had to do with testimony I gave in Los Angeles for the city of Los Angeles against the state of California, which was spraying a malathion poison over all of the city of Los Angeles back in the early 1990s. I was called as an expert witness uh, because I had gone to my office in Stuttgart and went to um, France, Germany, Austria, and Russia and spoken with their agricultural people and said, would you allow the spraying of pesticide over the population of a city? And I tape recorded all of them and they go, that's impossible. That's forbidden. Malathion is a, is a poison and you, you, you cannot spray people because the state of California was sending helicopters over the city of LA spraying to kill a med fly before it could get to Sacramento and affect the crops. Because if, they, if the state sprayed the crops, other countries would not import uh, the fruit. So I ended up going head to head with the head physician for the state of California. Before my testimony, they had voted, the city council voted seven to six to allow spraying. After I testified, they voted 13 to zero to not allow the state to spray anymore. I, after the vote, two men came up to me, the old dark suit two men, leaned down. Is that your wife next to you? I said, yes. You've embarrassed us because it was televised on NBC and CBS and You've embarrassed us in front of the public, and we don't like that. And I looked at these two men, I said, and they said, we know where you live. I said, are you threatening me? Because I, I think you should think long and hard if you're going to do something. Yes, I was directly threatened for that. The right, do I have fear? I do not have any fear. I could tell I could tell you endless stories have I been protected spiritually with advanced information and knowledge, being invited on radio programs and not being told it was going to be a debate. On the other side was somebody from the AMA or the pharmaceutical industry. But I was told in advance before. I don't want to make it too esoteric because I don't want to take anything from the scientific aspect <clears throat> of royal right. But I, I have received protection and I am going to share what I believe needs to be shared. But I'm not the policeman of the world. I never interject myself 
anywhere unless I'm asked. I will listen to BS or wild stories. I will not interject unless somebody turns to me and says, what do you think? Then they're giving me permission to talk. Otherwise, I'm not. You gave me permission. And that's why I'm very grateful to allow me to, to share what I know with very little of my opinion. I've given very little of my opinion here, but the facts is they have happened. We'll ask for an opinion now, Stephen. How, what do you think the future holds, the near future, for, um, the, for Royal Rice microscopes and his inventions? You know, I, I've thought and, and had discussions. <clears throat> Royal Rife died 1971, penniless, and excuse me, much talk about him being a, a drunk at the time. Yeah, yeah. Everybody who had that microscope had infighting, uh, people trying to tear it apart. During the time we had it, uh, we did not have a difficulty. Um, it actually elevated us in the eyes of many other organizations, as many other stories, while we had the microscope, how, in a way, we benefited. But everybody with Rife has either suffered or had calamitous situations. The Rife name because the people who have built machines um, has blackened his name in a very big way. In several states in the United States, right devices are banned. Uh, if you read the Wikipedia, it says people have died as, as a result of rife frequency devices. The rife microscope purportedly people saw some kind of glow. The Rife name <laughs> is so blackened that what, what does it hold in the future? I, we have an original old radio tube frequency device with the original glass tube that Rife used. Right. We can't even come out with anything because the Rife name is mud, is blackened, is stories. I've, I've had people come up to me and go, uh, I know all about Rife. I have a Rife device, and you don't, you don't know what you're talking about. I said, really? You're looking at original documentation. You're touching original documentation. Well, my company says this and this and that. What does it hold? I don't believe it holds a lot of promise that the actual devices, hopefully my friend will come out with scopes that will allow the heterodyning of light where we can take something like the COVID and find out it's mortal oscillatory rate and frequency. Mm. And, but that would mean the pharmaceutical industry, which by the way, on every show we watch, every hour show has at least six commercials for a pharmaceutical. It's like in the old days when I was young with the cigarettes, the cigarette commercials were all over. I, 
I'm a very positive, uplifting, triple Aquarian who's goofy and fun-loving, but your question is leading me to say, I am not sure, John, that it will come out. My book is going to be a story. Uh, Barry Lyons did an accurate book. It was an accurate book with John Crane. It was just the, the timing was awful. The timing was not good. So I will come out. I will continue to do what I can. And hopefully somebody in an opulent position will someday make a commitment to the entire electromagnetic spectrum. You know, a lot of people come to me over the years thinking we're only about royal right, because in those early days, that's what they were told. Mm. We have an enormous amount of information here on the greatest researchers from the 18, late 1800s, early 1900s, who address cancer and arthritis and diabetes, but they've been overlooked. Yes. So yes. someday more will come out. Hopefully it's soon. And um, I, I'm on the side of optimism. Um, what I noticed since the pandemic um, is that more and more people are realizing the, um, the craziness of the system. Absolutely. Definitely. It's, we, we are in a society where fear is a driving force, uh, a commercial. If you sneeze twice, in 10 minutes, you, you may have hoof and mouth disease. I mean, <laughs> this programming, this constant programming. My lectures and presentations, I have a YouTube channel, are all about uplifting our consciousness. Um, we are capable of incredible things as human beings. We, we can heal ourselves. We can do things beyond what we're programmed to believe. In the early years, I gave many presentations on corruption in the medical world, the FDA. And then about 15 years ago, I thought to myself, I talk about rife, I talk about cures. I'm just driving the listeners crazy. They can't get these things. They're not, some of them not available in the United States, but they're available in Europe. And then I said, all I'm doing is raising people's blood pressure. And then my presentations these last 15 years have been on in human potential, what we are all capable of doing, healing, information through dreams. We don't need gurus. We don't need intermediaries. Our dream state connects us to our highest internal overself that has unlimited capabilities. Your life's greatest adventures, and goodness knows you've had a few, started, <laughs> yes. started with a dream in the library. It's really with a dream. I am a big dreamer and that. Now, uh, do you... Uh, do you, should we get to some questions so that people don't feel empty inside or? Sure, sure. Um, would you want me to read them out? I mean, you've got them your side as well. I, I just see them when they came up and I was distracted. Oh, and I, uh, I chuckled. So, no, I, I don't know. 
Oh, well, it's um, whatever you feel. Oh, well, Sharon is asking, you know, she poses this question to you. You are a spiritual person, obviously. Um, do you have any thoughts on the rife technology and whether or not these frequencies interfere with the subtle and causal bodies? Uh, they do not because of the frequency range that they <clears throat> were in. Uh, but it brings up a very interesting thought that I have, and that is, after being in this field for 50 years, I believe that anything that has been generated, even by machines, we are all capable of doing within our own selves. Our causal bodies, our um, different spiritual bodies, there is so much there. Our chakra system, our capabilities, that as we look more into that, we will change the paradigm of this world because we are a toothpick against the A-bombs of the pharmaceutical and medical. And my idea is to bring up the consciousness of who we are, who we really are, and what we're capable of. And then people will see more of the truth of what is going on, how their fear is holding them back. And our subtle bodies are not so subtle. They are the real meat and potatoes of who we are. This shell, this image that we have is merely a projection of a greater being that we are. That's right. The, 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 we are a universe within ourselves. And the answer and, and all we perceive is from within. Um, so I guess you do things like meditate and... and uh... <laughs> uh, yes, but I don't do... My meditation is this. It is not about the 20 or 30 minutes that you set aside and become still and quiet and then go out in the world and do your thing. The world should be your meditation. That should be the time when you are using those principles, when you are working and operating from your higher perspective. I said, I do not believe in gurus. I don't have gurus. I believe in spirituality. I don't have a specific religion. I love them all. I've studied them all. But there is no greater aspect than ourselves. So when somebody tells me, oh my gosh, I meditate all the time, and then they come and they're bound. My question is, <laughs> egotistically saying you're meditating and sharing that you do yoga, but you're bouncing off the walls and you're, you're causing consternation with each step, what really is the most important aspect? To me, are you planting flowers when you walk or are you ca causing ground swells? So what is my meditation? I will take five minutes in the morning. I will close my eyes. I will ask that the highest and best manifest that I receive guidance that allows me to operate at the highest and best with everybody I meet. And then I go about my day. 
that, that because people always think, oh my gosh, you must do this. You, you, I have published books on dreams and my experiences around the world. The dream state is our direct contact with our own higher being. It is, it is our direct line. We don't need intermediaries. We don't need people telling us. But people will say to me, but Steve, I don't remember dreaming and my dreams are silly. Yes, they can be. But like anything else, the more you work, the more you ask, ask within yourself, I am desirous, John, of receiving the highest and best information. What can I do in this situation? And when you ask with your full heart, your own higher self is not going to disappoint you. In my opinion, this, of course, you've prefaced it by saying your opinion. These are all my opinions now. Well, it's great to hear your opinions. And it's, it's important, too. I think that most people are deaf to their own inner selves. I think that they're so bombarded with information it can be formal information in, the, in, in advertisements and, and people demanding attention around them. Um, and they, they I think it goes back, it goes back, John, to trust. Do we trust ourselves? We, we've been conditioned to, to not follow what we feel internally or what our gut tells us. And, and that is what I have found is the greatest difficulty is people don't trust themselves that they can come up with an answer, that they do know better. They, they will get the answer from the inside. The doctor is looking from the outside and, and doing tests. We, we don't trust ourselves. And I try to empower people to Trust yourself and recognize you don't have to be like anybody else. Everybody feels, well, there must be something wrong with me. This person can do this, and this person can do that. This person can see auras. This person talks to spirits. There must be something the matter with me. There is nothing the matter with anybody. Everybody is exactly where they need to be because their own higher self is guiding them on their life's journey in this living. You are at your right spot. And we don't want to be like anybody else. No. You are unique. You are beautiful. You are, you are one of a kind. And we need to celebrate ourselves and recognize our path. Now, I have done counseling work with thousands of people over, over the years, that was my profession. They would come to me and I would tell them every potential therapy that might help them in their health condition. And here's what I would do. I have had a, a philosophy for 30 years called LEFL, L-E-F-L. It stands for laughter, excitement, fun, and love. So when somebody comes to me, John, I would say, when was the last time you laughed? <laughs> oh, that's sad. That's sad when you've got to think about it. Yeah. I said, what do you do for fun? Well, work. No, you have an ulcer from work. 
That's why you're visiting me. Yes. What do you do for fun? Yes. Luffle. And when I check their Luffleometer, if they're devoid in one of these, they're, they're ill. They don't know the last time that they laughed. Right. They don't do anything for fun. Laughter, excitement, fun, and love. Right. And I have found that the balanced individual is the one who just accepts who they are and recognizes if they were supposed to be someplace else, your own inner self would place you there because you have a lesson to learn. So exactly where you are, exactly where you are, look around and say, is there perhaps a reason why I'm here? And everything is cause and effect. Nothing just rains on us out of nowhere. That's right. For, for it's every our, choices, our choices. For every person watching this video, watching you speak now, there's a reason why they chose to subscribe or log on to face, uh, Facebook and watch you. Yeah. And it's all to do with a level. I've got my yeah. vitamin, I've got my vitamin H, <laughs> you know, for happiness. <laughs> People get surprised sometimes because <clears throat> when I give lectures on Plato or ancient mystery schools, or I, I will use paper airplanes and water balloons on the stage. And the people go, the heck, who's this guy? And why is he, how can he do this? Doesn't he take this seriously? Yes, yes I take everything very, very seriously. But yes. humor and lightheartedness and love mm. are more important than somebody who can just recite facts and just doesn't look at the audience. I look at every single person in an audience. I do not use notes. And I've had camera people come up to me and say, you looked at me. I said, why wouldn't I? <laughs> you're, you're in the audience. You're a person too. You, you, you were going through these same things. We've lost the admonition of, of the Christ, become as a little child. I mean, people can talk about what that means, but, but I look at that as recognizing that you will be taken care of, looking at things in, in a child, beautiful, open way. And that has been my message for... Well, over the all 50 years, but much more the last 15, is let's don't get so focused and driving on something. Your body believes every word that you say. And sometimes somebody can be very, very right about a situation, and they get so upset. They are right, but your body doesn't know what that you were right or wrong it only knows the nuclear explosion is taking place and then it reacts mm -hmm. it reacts because it is following what is taking place in the body even though you're right right and i hope your audience and i know they do just appreciates <laughs> you and uh, I am just having a lot of fun being able to share and just drift here. And you are such a wonderful host. 
I'm sure you have more questions or things, and I am just kind of floating around in your space here. I'm, I'm giving you a lot of free reign because um, all that you talk is um, it's, it's solid gold, this information that you're, which you're giving now, which you're gifting to us, um, both with the microscope, the history, the people, the famous names, You've been name dropping, dropping quite a bit, I must say. <laughs> yeah. Would you like two more big names? Oh, absolutely. Well, let's talk about two people. One is named Christopher Bird, who wrote a book called The Secret Life of Plants, and Marcel Vogel, who is known for his work with crystals. Because you see, in 1985, I was a speaker at the ARE, the Edgar Cayce Foundation, the Association for Research and Enlightenment. And I was asked to speak. And of course, I at that time I had the Rife microscope. Mm -hmm. And Christopher Bird comes up to me and goes, who the heck are you? I, I said, my name is Whoa. Steve Roth. And you have the Rife microscope? I said, I do. How much did you pay for it? So I didn't pay anything for it. Well, I have, been, I have been looking for it. I wrote an article called What Has Become of the Rife Microscope? <laughs> it disappeared and you have it. And I don't know who you are and I don't know your organization. And yeah. as we're talking, Marcel Vogel walks up. I didn't know either one of these. Marcel Vogel is very well known with crystals. Now, I'm going to tell you exactly, blanked out a little. He says, who the F are you? And someone told me you have the Rife microscope. So the two of them are confronting me. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Uh, Marcel Vogel says, I have been trying to get that microscope from John Crane. I did some work with it many, many years ago. And you have it? Now, one of us had to go speak. They said, please come to our room later. And the three of us met. And I had quite an earful of what was going on in the medical world uh, with suppression. But they kept looking at me saying, why did you get this? You did not pay for it. Why? <laughs> I said, right place, right time. What else, what else could I say? Uh, you and I and, both know it's more than that, more than that. It was just meant to be. <laughs> now, in 1986, before the, um, I get a visit from Brendan O'Regan, who was a vice president of the Institute of Noetic Sciences formed by Edgar Mitchell. He calls me up and says, I'd like to meet with you. Fine. He flies from San Francisco to Sherman Oaks, California. We're sitting opposite each other, little small talk. And he says, you're a minnow and we're a whale. What the heck? We're a huge organization, and you're a pipsqueak. That, that's always starts with me. And I go, what? I, I said, what do you know about us? 
nothing. So how do you know our size or what? We are ions. We are Edgar Mitchell. We got lots of money. And then it came. We should have that rife microscope. That's how he starts with me. Slab, you're a minnow. We're a whale. We're wealthy. Yeah. We don't know yeah. you. You yeah. need to give us the right. They tried to shame me into giving them the rife microscope. Gosh. So many, many years of, of, of this, um, but still with all of it, I have no less of a feeling for what Rife accomplished, what the doctors accomplished. Um, and every once in a while, it's funny, my wife and I, I'll tell her, hey, I, I had a contact. She'll go, Rife, it never, it never ends. There's, there's always something. And I go, <laughs> yes, that, that's true. So those are my total name droppings for this session yeah. <laughs> yeah well i think that um what you've explained to us will open up a lot of people's eyes you know it'll really come as a shock some of the things you've discussed um we all do i dare get into the very last thing we spoke about or should we leave this on a happy note and that oh. would be the rife machines that are out Sure. No, we can go into that. Absolutely. I, I told you before you came on, I, as I was on my knees and I, uh, I said to you, you know, you can talk whatever you like and don't, as you say, candy coat it. So let's, let's go. <laughs> Thank you, Kate. Yes, please go for it again. Yeah. So Royal Rife died in August of 1971, well before any, any of these devices were even thought about and most certainly built and constructed that are blatantly saying they are rife devices. Now, oh, it's heavy, by the way. This is Rife's frequency book. Ugh. The real deal. From the Life Research Laboratories. Wow. <laughs> Looks about 10, 10 more kilos. It's, yeah. it, it's heavy. Yeah. There are only 60 frequencies there in that book. Right. So my question continues as, how do these right devices have hundreds and thousands of right frequencies. How? How could they possibly? Wright certainly did not. He died in 1971. So if people are saying, and, and they were blatantly in the 90s, right device, this is a right device. I said to people, at least say it's not rife light device, but don't call it a rife device. Royal Rife did not come up with a thousand frequencies for nerves and tissues and this and that. This is what he came up with. 
This yeah. is his work. These are the letters. I am myth at a thousand right frequencies. Do you have all those 60 frequencies? Because the ones which have been released in the public domain have been something like about 15, 18 frequencies. Uh, these are the frequencies with the old radio tubes um, and frequency generator built by Lee DeForest, who was the father of radio tubes back in the 20s. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the frequencies uh, he did was for staphylococcus, bubonic plague, tetanus, diphtheria, spinal meningitis, glanders, influenza, cholera, cancer, of course, contagious conjunctivitis, staph, gonorrhea, actomitosis, leprosy, anthrax, tetanus, that okay. those were the frequencies for those uh, microorganisms. He did not develop any other, but I have something that I've simply called the letter. One of the letters written on November 4th, 1936. Last summer in hunting for the mortal oscillatory rate for forms of cryptomyosis, pleomorphia, we ran into an oscillation which introduced itself in our laboratory by killing every experiment we had in our laboratory, shattering the glass in a bathroom, and all of the mold on the leather chairs melted off. One frequency wiped out every one of the microbes and pathogens of all their experiments. However, no letter or even at the time did they ever say what that frequency was or what happened. The only hint we have is what he said. We had moved into the new laboratory. Everything with the concrete was perfectly dry. The mold melted off the chairs and we had to pinch ourselves to see if we were still alive. This is from an actual letter that was written by Dr. Gruner to Milbank Johnson back in 1936. So, it, it would have been unbelievable to yeah. know that. Um, but as I mentioned before, uh, I doubt that these frequencies are out, but I've been hesitant I told you the reason. People will take their devices and go, hey, I have Rife's original lab note here, and that therefore my device works. Well, I don't agree with that. I, I don't agree with that. Now, when you met John Crane, it was close to the end of his life. So, because you know, you give me a little chuckle because he created his own, his own machines, which he did. were. He used a Hewlett-Packard frequency generators, mm. and uh, he 
thought that he could rent them, but that's why he got thrown in jail was for practicing medicine without a license. Mm -hmm. And he came up with the frequency generator. Um, he didn't develop the frequency generator, but he was selling devices at that time. But John Crane was not a medical doctor. John Crane was not a researcher. And um, he was a very bitter man, and, and rightly so. I mean, he got thrown in jail. Yeah. Uh, for doing, Rife was actually with him at the time, mm. but they didn't throw Rife in jail. And the reason they didn't try Rife was Rife had too much credibility. Okay. Rife had materials that would have put him in a greater position than John Crane, who was working for one of the uh, airlines at the time and, okay. and was an engineer. Yeah. So even those devices did not have thousands of uh, frequencies. But okay. yes, um, the, the two of them worked together for a while. Right. Yeah, it's very sad how, you know, um, John Crane's life, how he spent quite a lot of time with Royal Rife, um, but how how um, he he tried to do good at the end and kind of muddied things did. up a little bit. Yeah. I, I would say that... Um, I never really viewed John as from a material standpoint. Yeah. Um, I told you I read those 500 letters and I cried like a baby yeah. over the implications. Crane lived with Royal Wright. Can you imagine the direct stories mm. that, that he had and learning of the pressure? By the way, um, Reif tried to start a company called the Beam Ray Company. Mm. And they were going back in the 1930s. Um, I was just looking here. They, in the 1930s, were going to start this corporation and sell machines at that time. But the AMA came in backing somebody and it went to court. Uh, mm. I have the original typewritten court transcripts in paper that is falling apart, but it is the whole trial at the time. Mm -hmm. And the pressure that was coming from the pharmaceutical company and, and literally the AMA. Why? The AMA had begun accepting pharmaceutical advertisements in their journal. Right, right. The electron microscope was released the same time the article came out about the, the universal. Mm -hmm. So it isn't always conspiracies. The electron microscope came from RCA. They had a lot of money and news of the universal was kind of placed way down on the shelf as the electron uh, was being touted. So we have a combination of real pressure and bad timing. Yeah, yeah. How do we stop the madness? We stop yeah. the madness <laughs> with Luffel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Luffel. Yeah. Start with ourselves. And then, uh, Sweet. <clears throat> of course. Always with ourselves first. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Is there anything that we'd like to mention before we 
Departel, cut away. Away. No, I, I would say that you allowed me to get into the philosophical, spiritual realms, which I greatly appreciate. Uh, I will say this. <clears throat> um, I no longer do personal counseling. Uh, I have done healing work. If somebody reads about that, um, I do not do healing work with others. I propose that we empower each of our own selves, that we are our own greatest healer. Um, I can be located at, uh, I, I am on Facebook under uh, Stephen A. Ross. Um, I have empowered people and I wish everybody well who has viewed this. I am eternally grateful to you and any time or anything I can do for you, John, uh, I am here for you. Thank you. You may live to regret saying those words. <laughs> you know, um, um, we, our aim is to make sure that people know who Royal Rife was and is what he did and how it could have changed humanity, and also how it's not too late. Um, and um, people like yourself, or especially yourself, oh gosh, the uh, internet's gone bad, um, are helping to make more people aware. And with awareness comes knowledge, and then you know, it just cascades down. Um, some of the things you've <clears throat> mentioned today have been a little bit sad, gloomy, but um, we, you've got to realise how it is to make it how we want it to be. And um, I've got to tell you, on a, on a personal note, I was, before this interview, I was extremely excited, extremely excited. I was thinking, wow, to, I never thought I would ever, ever talk to a person who was directly involved in the royal life history. And after a few to and froze of emails, you, you agreed to come on and uh, and tell us tell us a bit of the real history behind Royal Rife. I could never have imagined I'd be lucky enough to have a man like yourself on and talk directly. <laughs> it's, a, it's 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 been a real blessing, and I'd love to thank you so much for gifting well, us your time. I, I, I just really. Appreciate it. I don't remember how you said you found out about me. How did we, how the contact came? But everything in the world is timing. And they're not only all the people that are on your platform here, but even that you and I, um, perhaps there is something more. And perhaps when my book comes out, um, if we can create a little bit of a, not a movement, that's not what I mean, an interest and in energy into allowing with maybe, maybe something, John, maybe something is supposed to happen. Otherwise, yes. why would all this be taking place? Uh, exactly. Um, there, 
So, so we'll be positive and say maybe, maybe some things will happen, uh, but we are going to continue to put out loving energy, and I will leave this with, with your viewers. May the highest and best manifest for each of you and you, John, in your continuing journey through this lifetime. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yep, I felt that positive energy. <laughs> thank you. And yeah, and thank you everybody for taking time out yourselves to um, participate, to view, ask questions, or just absorb this wealth of knowledge which um, Dr. Stephen Ross has uh, partaken, has gifted us over the last two hours. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Stephen. Thank you, and Great I hate pleasure. to do it. Should I, I'll hit this leave button, otherwise I'll keep going endlessly, endlessly. So um, if, if you do end up with a, a lot of questions, um, perhaps we can do, do something where we can answer it directly, but I'll leave that up to you. I don't know what your total response is, but um, again, best wishes. I'm hitting the leave button and you have a wonderful day today thank you thank you you too have a great night okay thank you bye bye it is gone it is gone it's gone wow wow what a what a what a story wasn't that amazing wow i've got to pinch myself make sure it was real he knew john crane yeah, and, and others, other big names out there. Hey, thanks, guys, for watching. It's really been amazing. Um, please take uh, what uh, Stephen Ross said to heart. He's, um, he's had a lot of life experience. He's listened to himself, and he's come to realize that the answers really do lie within. So listen to yourselves. Listen to your bodies. Listen to your intuitions as well. Sometimes you may think something, and you think yourself... Why do I think that? If you start questioning why, then you're not going to do what these messages are asking you to do. They're not going, the messages aren't going to put you in the place where, where, where you should be. Uh, it might be through a big life change. It might be a big discovery that, this, that the universe wants you to make. And if you don't, just go with the flow. You, that opportunity is going to be gone. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. Keep passing the love forwards. Let's do what Stephen said might happen. Let's make that change. Let's try and make the world a better place. Make people come uh, be more aware of the what they call alternative medicine, which you and I both know are, um, is a real medicine. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, it's been a fantastic two hours. Hey, thanks again, everybody. Take care. Keep on passing the love forwards to people you know, people you don't know. Change the world one bit at a time. And don't forget the level too. Bye-bye. <laughs>